If we hear the word of God and we don't do it, we're actually self-deluded. And that's a serious thought. And James is going to ask us to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what kind of hearer are you and me? That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. There are some mirrors that I go to in certain places. I don't know what it is about the lighting, but there's certain mirrors in certain places where I look better. And I prefer those mirrors. And then there's other mirrors that have, I don't know what it is, some sort of maybe brighter specialized light. And I go, ooh, ow. And then there's just some natural things happening to me as the years go by. Uh, Some of you can relate to this. Like I'll look in the mirror one day and then the next day there'll be something new on my face. And I'll be like, how could in a matter of hours something new be there? Some of you will realize this when you get a little older. It just seems to happen. But anyway, <laughs> you guys might remember the, in the uh, Snow White movie, the Wicked Witch would look into the mirror and she would say, Who's the fairest of all? Oh, you are my queen. But then Snow White came along and the mirror couldn't lie. And God's word is a mirror. God's word does not lie. God's word is truth. And when we look into God's word, and I'm sure you've probably noticed this, it causes us to look deeper than we've ever looked before. The mirror of God's word is not about a cursory glance. In fact, I would say the mirror of God's word looks into your very soul. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. Everything is naked and open before the one to whom we must give an account. That's Hebrews 4. 12 and 13. God's word is powerful. When I first became a Christian and walked into a Christian church, I noticed that, you know, God every week had some sort of special message for me. Maybe you can relate to this. Every week I would say, does that preacher have a copy of my diary? And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't have a diary. I don't keep a diary. What is going on? Are people from this church following me around town? But the truth is that God's word is like a searchlight, and it goes deep. Some of you may remember the song that Michael Jackson sang, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make the change. Now that's a good song. And then he goes, woo, woo, na, 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 woo. But we won't go there. Anyway. (laughs) But nobody could do that like Michael Jackson, right? Anyway. In James, the mirror is God's word. And many times I think in life, you know, maybe like this song, I don't think Michael Jackson wrote the song, but he sang the song, 
we want to change our ways, right? We, we might see something in our lives that we want, to, we want to tweak or we want to fix. And God's word is certainly good at pointing that out, right? Every week we come into the church and we go, oh, great, he's preaching on the book of James. We all know what's coming, right? It's going to be each week some hard-hitting stuff. And we have a desire to change. And I've said in the last few weeks, the only way we're really going to change is to allow God to make that change. To be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. To let God, as he shows us things in our life, make that change as, as he holds up the mirror. There's a story from the last century that tells how a missionary out in the bush had hung a small mirror on a tree in order to shave. The local witch doctor ha happened by, curiously looked into the strange glass, and seeing her hideously painted features, she jumped back. Immediately, she began to bargain with the missionary to purchase the mirror from him. The man objected, but to no effect, and finally realizing that the witch doctor would not be put off, he let her have the mirror, whereupon she threw it to the ground, breaking it in pieces and shouting, There! That won't make any more ugly faces at me! <laughs> what she didn't realize is that what she was looking at was herself. And sometimes when we walk into a church like this and we hear the word of God, that's where we need to really focus. We need to see that God's mirror is almost like a two-way mirror. It shows us for who we really are, and it goes deep. It's a searchlight, but it also shows us something else. If you're a Christian this morning, as you look in the mirror and you look a little deeper, you realize that you are cloaked, that you are covered. Indeed, you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In fact, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you in your weakness and sin. He sees you through the finished work of Jesus. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. That's what God does for us. But James doesn't want us to be any, under any self-delusions. And so hard-hitting, what we might call the theme verse of the book of James, he says to us, but prove yourselves, or be, the ESV says, verse 22, doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you have an NIV version, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now in church, I think we're, we all are familiar with the idea of amen. When you say amen to a preacher's words or to a Bible verse, you're saying, I agree, that's right, yes. So we have to be careful with our amens because when we say amen to something, we're saying, I believe that, that's true, I agree with that, and maybe we should change the amen to I'm going to do it. Because that's what James would say. You can be an amener, but are you a doer? You can amen truth all day long, but when you go out into those streets, the real question is going to be, do you have an intention of doing beyond the amening? There are a lot of ameners in churches all over the country and the world this morning. But the real rub, the real, the real issue is whether or not when you go out those doors and you say amen to something, if you actually apply what you hear. Because if we don't apply the word, according to James, we are self-deceived. It's probably one of the worst kinds of deceptions. To think you are something and actually not be that at all. And so James says, look, don't be deceived. Last week, we, we how many of you remember the Can you all say it? The QSS? Be quick to hear 
or listen. Slow to speak, slow to anger. All right, you guys got it. How many of you were challenged with that uh, reality almost immediately after you left church? On Wednesday night, I walked by a brother who doesn't come here on Sundays, and he walked by me, and he went, and I went, amen, brother, yeah. All right, but here's the deal. How did you do with that this week? Were you challenged in a conversation within a couple hours of that message? Were you quicker to listen? You know, that's the true test. Were you slower to speak? Were you slower to become angry? Did you, did I, apply God's word? Or did I just say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, amen, amen. (laughs) Right? Almost sound like a sprinkler up here, don't I? Anyway. So a doer carries the characterization of the whole personality. It's all of a person's inner being. The Bible says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's everything that you are. The Greek word for hearers here, and I'm quoting from another, was used of those who sat passively in an audience or listened to a singer or a speaker. Today, it could be used, the word a hearer, of those who audit a college class in which they are required to attend and presumably, presumably listen, but for which they are not required to do outside study, write papers, take tests. In other words, they are not held accountable for what they hear. Tragically, says this author, most churches have many auditors, members who willingly expose themselves to the teaching and preaching of the word of God but have no desire for that knowledge to alter their day-to-day lives. They take advantage of the privilege of hearing God's word, but have no desire of obeying God's word. They simply audit the class. They come in, they leave, and there's no visible change. And James says, I'm just telling you what James says, if you do that, you're deceived. You, You have not really experienced the power of God. Now, I will say this, Every one of us is in a process of change. And change, for most of us, comes little by little. I'm not talking about walking out of here and every time you hit the mark with quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about perfection. But I am talking about an intention to let God's word actually change you. And as I look around this room, I know that this room is filled with a bunch of people with that heart, with that desire. To change. And so James says, look, you're either a doer or you're deluded. You're either an amener or you're someone who actually wants to go out and do the word. Jesus said, what do you think? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. He answered and said, I will, sir. Amen. I'll go, dad. But he did not go. He came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered and said, I will not. Yet afterward, he regretted it and he went. Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the latter. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and harlots did believe him. And you seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe in him. 
Douglas Moo says, Jesus' preaching is filled with hope. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. He came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered and said, I will not. Yet afterward, he regretted it and he went. Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the latter. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax gatherers and harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and harlots did believe him. And you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe in him. Douglas Moo says, Jesus' preaching is filled with overwhelming, amazing wonder of God's sovereign grace reaching down to sinful man in the gospel. But equally prominent in Jesus' summons is Jesus' summons to radical obedience. In obedience that is the necessary human response to God's grace. The gospel contains both the saving power of God and a summons to obedience, close quote. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book some years ago, and I'm going to just summarize what he said. He said, could you imagine if, let's say you work for a company, and your boss says, hey, I'm going to go set up a branch of our company in Europe, and I'm going to be gone for six months, and I'm going to travel overseas, and I'm leaving you in charge. So imagine he, he puts you in charge of everything, and he goes off to Europe, and he sends you a letter every week with instructions of what to do and how to run the company and how to take care of things. And you receive each of those letters, and then when he, he comes back, let's say six months later, he comes back and he finds the office is in a shambles. You haven't done anything that he said to do in those letters. He walks in and the receptionist is doing her nails and playing a video game and nobody's doing any work. And he walks in and he says to you, as you sit there eating a donut and doing nothing, watching a soap opera, what are you doing? Didn't you get my letters? To which you respond, oh yeah, we got your letters, every one of them, once a week. In fact, we have small groups studying them in each place of the office right now. We've broken down the language, we've parsed you know, the, the, the meaning, and, and we've studied them, and, and we're looking deeply into those every week. We've studied them. In fact, some people have even put your letters to their memory. They, they could quote your letter. And the boss says, but you didn't do what I put in those letters. You studied them, you memorized them, but the company is a disaster. That's what James is saying. 
A lot of Christians are famous for hearing preaching, getting into Bible study, all necessary because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, we all know that. That's a necessary component, necessary but not complete because if we hear the word and we don't act upon it, in another simile that Jesus gives, James gives us a mirror. Jesus gives us a person who hears God's word and does not act upon it is like a person who built his house on sand. If you've ever gone to the beach, tried to set up one of those uh, makeshift volleyball nets, you've got to have the right stuff because sand can't hold it. So you've got to have a holder or you've got to pack the sand and wet it. There's certain ways that you've got to deal with sand. And if you build your house on sand, if you hear the word and you don't act upon it, Jesus says there's going to be a storm, the wind's going to blow, it's going to beat against your house, and your house is going to fall because it wasn't built on the right stuff. I'll show you another man. This is the one who hears God's word and acts upon it. He's like a man who built his house on a rock. And when the storm comes and the winds blow and beat against that house, same storm, that house stands. There are many scholars that believe that Jesus' words there are eschatological. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? They have the idea of the end of things when the storm of God's judgment will come over your life. Those who built on sand will be swept away in the judgment. Those who built on rock will make their stand. Why? Because there's only one foundation that you can build on, and that is Jesus Christ. You can't build on any other foundation. Now, the reverse is also true, that there are some people that believe in doing good deeds without being born again. They're going to be okay. And the Bible doesn't teach that either. The Bible says you must be born again, and then the good works need to flow out of a saving relationship with Jesus. And so a hearer and not a doer looks like this, verse 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word, 23, and not a doer, he is like a man. See the word like? That's what uh, we would call a simile. We're given a simile here. Or you can call it, um, uh, as Jesus used many parables, it's that kind of idea. It's, it's a way to grab the, the meaning here. He is like a man, the one who hears but doesn't do, who looks at his natural face, literally the face of his genesis, the, his natural face in a mirror. He's like a man who looks at the mirror, but once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So the word of God is almost like a mirror ministry. If you look up at the image, you can kind of see a, a person who took a glance and then he's walked away. How many of you like Brian Regan, the comedian? Brian Regan is so funny. And he said, hey, he said, have you ever had a friend who had one of those hairs growing just right out like the middle of their forehead? And, or maybe they're a coworker, and it's that hair that you just want to pluck for them. But everybody's embarrassed to tell them about the hair. So people are going around the office and saying stuff like this. Did he notice it yet? Nope, still there. Next day, did he pluck it yet? Nope, still growing out. How does he not see it? I don't know. He must look in the mirror, and maybe it's just this straight kind of thing where somehow it eludes his notice, right? And, and <laughs> that's kind of the person here. It's like they look in the mirror, and one writer I was reading this, re this week, Ralph Martin, said it's the, the idea of it is it's remedial. It's like if you look in the mirror and... Something's out of whack. 
you usually want to take care of it, right? Isn't that what a mirror is about? Like you get ready in the morning, and I know the ladies put on their makeup and guys maybe shave or whatever, and the mirror has some remedial purposes. It's to make you look presentable before you exit stage left. Amen? So why do we look in the mirror? We may pluck a couple things. You know, the ladies are, the guys are, la -da -da, la -da -da, right? And, and what are we doing there? We're trying to fix ourselves up for the day. Well, imagine that uh, you had something not looking so good on your face. And instead of taking care of it, you just go out. Well, then you haven't let the mirror do its job. Part of what James is saying is that if the word of God points out something, then take some remedial action. Don't have a whatever attitude, right? I don't know if that's passe now. Are teenagers still saying that? Whatever. And you got to say it like that. Whatever, right? We don't want to have a whatever attitude to the word, right? And when the word of God goes out, we want to say, okay, I'm going to adjust my life. I have had many times over the years where I heard something from the word and I thought, I'm not doing that. Or that's not how I saw that. And then I have a question. Does this book stand in judgment of me? Or do I stand in judgment of this book? And there are a lot of people who will say something like, well, I don't like that part. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I don't like that part of the mirror. I'll look over here, right? And, and we're famous for telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear so that they could make the change. In fact, if we're going to be a good friend to somebody, if a good friend had that hair sticking out, wouldn't you want to say something like, hey, dude, <laughs> you want me to pluck that for you? I'd be happy to, shapoink, you know, if... Or if they have something on their face that isn't so attractive. It can be hard to say something. But you say something because you want to save them the embarrassment. God says to the people of Israel, My people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They have stumbled from their ways from the ancient past to walk in bypaths, not on a highway, to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. In Ezekiel 22:12, God says, you've forgotten me. You look at the mirror of my word, but then you walk away and do what everybody else does, says God. But here's the second simile or contrast to the first person. But one who, verse 25, looks intently at the perfect law. And both people mentioned here, it's not just a cursory look. They, they are spending some time looking. One who looks intently at the perfect law. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. God's word is perfect, but here, the perfect law is called what? What? The law of what? Liberty. So many people think, well, if I align my life to God's word in every aspect, then I'm just going to, it's just going to be some sort of bummer. And I'm not, have you ever heard this before? If I get really serious with Jesus, I won't be free to do what I want to do. Maybe not. But you'll be free to do what you were meant to do. You'll be free from sin and death. How's that? 
Jesus said, the word, if you, just, if you uh, stay and abide in the word, the word, it will set you free. The truth will set you free. And the word of God is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. If you want to be who God has called you to be, if you want to truly be free, then look intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abide by it. The NIV says, continue to do this. This man, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. So he looks at God's word, but unlike the first man, he actually does it. He becomes an effectual doer. This man, what's your Bible say? End of verse 25, shall be what? Shall be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com. Dot com.